Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name, amen. Greetings, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Are we excited to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. After a blessed weekend last week, did you enjoy the conference? Amen. amen. Can I hear a bit more greater amen to show your excitement about the conference? I was personally blessed. I received my portion also. So each one of us, every time when we come before the throne of grace, when we come together to the service, let's all come with expectant hearts. The word of God is supposed to touch each one of us from a person who is not saved to a person who knows the Lord just for a month to a person who's been in the Lord for years. All of us, when we come before the throne of grace, when we come to the service, the Lord will minister to each one of us if we come with expectant hearts. Just as an introduction, the three songs that we sang today, they are so much in line with what I want to share with you. Amen. Amen. I just want to, I'm not sure when you were singing the song, What a Mighty God We Serve, and you sang a song, Mighty Warrior, Great in Battle. Did it ever sink to you that that is, by the way, your God? If it did, did it sink to you that that very God dwells in you? He dwells in you through the Holy Spirit. That's why we say, In other words, God is mighty, great in battle. He's a mighty God that I serve, but he's not a distant God. Amen. He is the God in me, the God among us, and the God who walks with us. Amen? Amen. Unlike in the old covenant where God used to visit his people, with us, he dwells in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, some of us, we always think it would have been good to live during the days of Christ because if there was any problem, I would quickly go to Jesus and Jesus would do this and this for you, for me. But that period and the period before that, people would not have God all the time with them, among them and in them. But with you, God is with you wherever you go. That's why Christ in us should be something that we always treasure beyond anything else. Amen? Amen. Go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. I want you to look at this God that we say he is a mighty God that we serve. We say he is great in battle, yet he is in you. So do you see how mighty you are? Tell your neighbor, do you see now how mighty you are? Because if the mighty God that you serve, if he's the one who is great in battle, dwells in me, then let him be great in battle within me. So that when I face my challenges, when I face my situation, when I face my enemies, I say great in battle is within me. The greater one dwells in me. And let him demolish the situations ahead of me. The problem with us is that sometimes we want to fight on our own. And we leave the one who is great in battle Mighty warrior. And if you read that story in the book of Exodus chapter 15, we're not going to go there. 
Before that, it was the time when the Egyptians were chasing the Israelites. Okay? They wanted to recapture them back. The Bible says as they were chasing them on both sides, there were the mountains. In front of them, it was the Red Sea. It was like now they were in trouble. They were, out, they were cornered. But then after God consult, Moses consulted with God and then he pointed the rod on the Red Sea. The Red Sea parted. Again, you can see how mighty your God is. Just imagine the sea. Imagine one time you go next to the Atlantic Ocean there and you see it's just a road and, and, the, and the water is like blocks this way, blocks this way, just making a way for his children to walk through. You see that God can suspend the forces of nature just for you. Mm. Water cannot be parted, but God does that for his children. So that's why we say mighty warrior, great in battle, Jehovah is your name. What a mighty God we serve. He's a mighty God. So when he parted it like that, the Israelites got in there in a clear way. And as they were moving, moving, the Egyptians followed them and they followed into the sea. And I like what happened. After that, the Bible says, the chariots of the Egyptians, they started pulling hard. They started feeling almost like the wheels were breaking off. As if you are driving a car with a handbrake on. Amen. So in other words, they knew that our chariots are fast and we can go fast and we can catch them. But somehow, they started laboring. And it was like it's a difficult effort. Until some of them said, we think their gods are fighting for them. So they started realizing these people are not alone. Okay? And you all know, the rest is history. When the children of Israel just passed, the Egyptians were still there. That's the problem with working on somebody's miracle. <laughs> you don't know how they got it. So you get in there. Now the owner of the miracle has passed. So it means time for miracle should end. Isn't it? But the Egyptians were there walking on somebody's miracle. Now what happens? So it's almost like saying, time for the miracle, that miracle has ended. What else you can go back? What about the Egyptians that are in the sea? They were just walking on other people's miracles. So that's how they get wiped out. And then, now that's why in then Exodus chapter 15, that's when, Mo, that's when uh, Miriam was now singing. The horse and the rider and the mighty army you have thrown into the sea and you have destroyed them. And she said, mighty warrior, great in battle, Jehovah is your name. And that is the God that you serve. So if he parted the Red Sea then, what are you facing that is greater than the Red Sea? Let him part it for you. Great in battle. So can we just read this kind of great God that we have? Yet he dwells in me. That gives me an advantage as a child of God. I always say this to people. When people tell me about what they are facing and the difficulties that we have. We all face challenges whether you are a Christian or not, isn't it? But the advantage with you is you've got another advantage. You can step into your Christian inheritance. And listen to this. Let's do it in the Amplified. 
Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 in the Amplified. What agreement can there be between a temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Okay, what are we? We are the temple of the living God. Tell somebody next to you, you are looking at the temple of the living God. And did you know that when God is in you there, he is not just there to decorate you. Tell, tell your neighbor, he's not just here to decorate me. He is here to do his mighty works. So that I don't only hear about what he did a thousand years ago, I want to see him doing things today. Amen. And he's great in battle. So we are the temple of the living God. When people next to you time ask you, who do you think you are? Tell them, I'm the temple of the living God. Then they will even get more angry. That's what they did with Jesus. When Jesus said he was the son of God, they were provoked by that. Okay? Continue. I'm the temple of the living God. Even as God said, I will dwell in and with and among them. Okay? He dwells in me. He dwells with us. He dwells among us. He dwells in me. He dwells with us. He dwells among us. Okay? Mm -hmm. And will walk in and with and among them. Mm. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Amen. I like that. I like it that God dwells in me. He is among us. He is with us. Even when we walk, in other words, it would have been different if he only, you know, again, the thing of the old covenant. When the children of Israel wanted to meet God, you remember the Bible would say uh, Moses, actually even Joshua, the son of Nun, they would go to the, that tabernacle that you were hearing about. They would go there. It was like, that's the place to meet God. So, it says here, I will dwell in them, with them and among them, but I will also walk in them and with them and among them. In other words, you won't leave him in church. Tell your neighbor. In other words, I won't leave him in church. You see, it's different from when we grew up. There was this other church where people you become a Christian just because of the clothes you wear. So they would say when you provoke them, I'll take off my clothes and you will know me. Okay? So it means that God was not dwelling in them. He was dwelling on the clothes. Because when they had taken off the clothes, they were free to do whatever they wanted to do. But my God, he dwells in me he walks with, in me and he walks with me wherever I go. Amen? That thing works both ways, by the way. That's why I say the word of God should minister to all of us. For a person who is still playing double standards in the Lord, being a carnal Christian, Christian, even when you are going to sin, whether you're going to drink or to misbehave, he's walking with you because you are a child of God. Isn't it? 
So now imagine how grieved the Holy Spirit gets. Isn't it that if you are a child of God and he dwells with you, he dwells in you, he walks with you, he wanted to help you. That's why when you try to do that, something in you will say, no, but you shouldn't be doing that. Okay? And you still proceed anyhow. So, it means for those, for all of us, the Holy Spirit is there within us to guide us. Okay? To show us the way. To even show us how to answer, how to behave. And he empowers us then to live the way God wants. But for those of you who say, I've been long in the Lord, I don't play double standards, I'm not a carnal Christian, I don't walk in sin. It means he is in there also in you to do the mighty works through you. Amen? Amen? To do the mighty works through you. When you get somebody who is sick, the Bible says those who believe will lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. So now, let him be mighty in me and through me. Amen. Amen? Because it says he walks with them. He walks in them and among them. And he says, I will be their God. So he wants to walk with us. But we need to connect ourselves with him. Firstly, the first step is you accept him as your Lord and Savior. You are a child of God. But you've got also to constantly walk with him by enjoying his word. Okay, let me give you this scenario. Do you know some of us are sensitive to people just talking things. Imagine you are no longer used to taking a long distance with a taxi. With the kind of language that's spoken in the taxis and all that. You were no longer used to that. So when you are there, you feel uncomfortable with the language around. Sometimes some of us who even grew up in rural areas, how people would be just talking, all those unbeneficial talks. Did you realize that sometimes when you get back to that environment, you feel uncomfortable? You feel uncomfortable. This is not the language I'm used to. Okay? Now imagine the Holy Spirit in you. He knows the language of God. He is used to scriptures. Okay? He is used to thus saith the Lord. He is not used to gossips. Hmm? He gets uncomfortable. Because if I being a human being can be uncomfortable with certain lifestyle, with being among some people, how much more the sensitive Holy Spirit? That's why the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of your redemption. Amen? But if now you are a person of the word, imagine you get in there, you are studying the word. The Holy Spirit will be illuminating that word in you. You start seeing something in that very word. Because even us, as we preach to you, we speak with you the things that we have downloaded from the Spirit of the Lord. Because it is still the same verse that you read. But it comes with another revelation because the Holy Spirit reveals the truth to us. Even beyond what I'm teaching you, the Holy Spirit is even giving you another example that I didn't give you. Amen. To show that he is working in you. Amen. So be a friend of the word. 
So that when the Holy Spirit is in you, when God is in you, the Holy Spirit will enjoy your company. I like it when the Bible says Enoch walked with God. And I try to think, imagine if God was like your personal friend in the literal sense where he walks with you. Firstly, some of the places that you go to, you wouldn't be going anymore, isn't it? Some of the talks that you do, you wouldn't be doing them, isn't it? And some of the opportunities you miss to demonstrate the power of God, you would be going for those. And can I tell you, God is in you. Amen? Amen. Can I tell you, he is in you. So that's why what we're talking about today, we're talking about Christ in us. Those of you who like putting titles to the message, is Christ in us. Or Christ in me. Amen? He is in me. And look at this. Go to the book of John chapter 14. Again, we'll do it in the Amplified. John 14, 20 to 23. John 14, 20 to 23. I want you to see Jesus committing himself to be in you. It's the commitment that he has made. When he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he wants to He wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you. And the Holy Spirit has come to guide us unto all the ways of the truth. To empower us to do the work of the ministry. Amen. Amen. So John 14, 20 to 23 in the Amplified. At that time, when when the day comes, you will know for yourself that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Okay. Firstly, your natural mind wouldn't understand that you are in me and I'm in you. Because our natural mind are used to, when you want to be in something, that thing should be bigger than this other one and the other one must be smaller than the other one. You see that? He says, you are in me and I am in you. So the easiest way to explain it is we are one. Amen? Amen. We are one. So when you are one, there is no other one and the other one. We are one. He is in us, we are in him. Continue. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Okay, I like this one. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Do you know that most of us as Christians, we always say we love God? Hmm? Mm. We all profess to love Jesus. But he says the person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Do you really love the Lord? I'm asking, do you really love the Lord? Okay, the rest of you, you're still thinking. That's fine. Continue. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. Okay, you see what God wants to do. He says, the person who loves me will be loved of my father. And I will show myself, reveal myself, manifest myself to him. Mm. Mm-hmm. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Okay. You see what Jesus is committing himself to? 
He wants to make himself clearly visible to you and be real to you. He doesn't want just to be a distant God. Okay? Because sometimes you think like God is a distant. He's miles away. That's why when we're saying mighty warrior, great in battle, you forget that that is the very God who dwells in you. So he says, I will make myself real to you. Mm-hmm. Judas, not Iscariot, asked him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself, make yourself real to us and not to the world? Listen to that question. So when Jesus says, I will reveal myself and make myself real to you, talking to his disciples or talking to people who were already grown up in the Lord. Judas asks, not Iscariot. He says, how is it that you are talking about revealing yourself to us and not to the world? Because according to Judas, he was thinking of just people accepting the Lord, knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that is how Jesus is revealed to you. But Jesus says, beyond that, for those who have already accepted me, I want to keep on revealing myself to them so that they may really know who I am in them. So that they can walk in the fullness of my power in them. Because when he says he will reveal himself to us, look at this. If we say the Holy Spirit dwells within me and I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost, and I ask you, when last did the Holy Spirit in you or the Jesus in you do anything, any work? So it means, that's why Jesus says, I want to make myself, I want to reveal myself, to show them what I can do in them. Why I'm dwelling in them. I'm not just there to decorate them. I'm there to do the mighty works that I did when I walked the face of the earth. I'm there to guide them unto all the ways of the truth. I'm there to reveal the will of the Father to them. Continue. Jesus answered, If a person really loves me, he will keep my word, obey my teaching, and my Father will love him, and will come to him and make our home will abode special dwelling place with him. Amen. What did Jesus say he will come and do? He will come and make me uh, as his home. So you are looking at the home of Jesus here in front of you. Amen. He dwells in me. Amen. So when we say what a mighty God we serve, When we say great in battle, mighty warrior, this is a great God. But that is the very God who dwells in you by the Holy Spirit. So if he dwells in me, do you want to imagine what kind of power dwells in here? Do you want to imagine what kind of a dynamite is in here? That's why he said to his disciples, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. That word translated power Scholars like to say in the original is the word dunamis. That's the word where you get dynamite from. If I talk about a dynamite, you always think of explosions, isn't it? Yeah, that's a dynamite. So that is the power that is packaged in you. Tell your neighbor, that is the kind of power that's packaged in me. That's why wherever I go, I must do like Jesus, destroy the works of the enemy. That's why when I face sickness, sickness has to bow down to the name of Jesus. Let that power that is in us 
be fully manifested and be fully realized. That's why Jesus says, I will reveal myself and make myself more real to you. I want you to know what you are loaded with. I want you to know the power that is available in you. So that next time when sickness tries to come over your body, you say, not on this body. This body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I like, I like, I like to put that slang to, to sickness. I like saying to sickness. Sickness, this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not temple for sicknesses. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I like talking to sickness like this. You say, Pastor, talk to sickness. Yes. And sickness listens. Amen. That's why also when you say, I'm catching a flu, sickness listens and you catch it. So how is it that it only listens when you want to catch it, but it doesn't listen when you say, not in this body. Amen. I like saying, not in my body. Amen. Say, Pastor, but do we choose? I'm just saying, not in my body. The Bible says, this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. Imagine if sickness wants to overpower this body and put this body under bondage. Will I be able to preach? It means I won't be able to do what I need to do. Yes. I can't preach when I'm lying in bed. So the work that I need to do, I need a quickened body. That's why the Bible says, if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. So that the life also of Jesus may be made manifest in your bodies. I like that scripture. I use it also for healing. It says, so that the life also of Jesus may be, man, may be made manifest in your mortal flesh. So now I try to imagine if the life of Jesus is flowing through my body and it comes against a certain gem, disease gem or virus in my body, what do you think will happen to that disease gem or virus in my body? There will be an explosion and that thing has got to go. It has got to die. Because the greater force has come into place. Jesus gives this scenario. He says, if a strong man guards his belongings and everything seems to be well and in order, when the stronger one than the strong man comes, he disempowers him and takes the spoil of the things. Amen. And that is what happens. So when those viruses and those gems are relaxed and think it's all fine, let the life also of Jesus be made manifest in my mortal body. Amen. Amen. That's why the Bible says, and he sent his word, Psalms 107 verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. It means the situations and the things in me and the sickness we're feeling, we are having a good time. And, and, and you heard that some viruses even multiply in people's bodies, isn't it? Imagine they are even breeding in our bodies. No. Not in my body. We say, Pastor, yes, Jesus gave us the authority. When Jesus says, I want to reveal myself to them, he is saying, they haven't fully grasped the power that is in them because I dwell in them. 
I want them to be aware of what is in them. That's why Christ in me is the hope of glory. Amen? Go to this Colossians 1.27. We can do it in good news. Colossians 1.27. Are you getting this? Do you realize that Jesus in you, Christ in you, that's a powerful force? And I even like it even more than the times of the disciples because Jesus would just be with them as a, only as a person once in a while. Okay? So sometimes he would be sleeping. But how many of you know that the Jesus in me doesn't sleep? Huh? It's not like the Jesus who walked on the face of the earth. The one who walked on the face of the earth was sleeping when the disciples were calling for... You remember the story in the boat? He was sleeping. And they thought, we will die because he is sleeping. But Jesus says, if I don't go to the Father, the Holy Spirit cannot come. It is profitable for you that I go to the Father. Because when I go to the Father... The Holy Spirit, God, my Father will give you another comforter, one who is like me, but this one is only different from me because he will be with you forever. And he can dwell with each one of you individually. While I, when I'm in my flesh, I'm limited to a particular place, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will not be limited to any particular place. Amen. Amen. That's why you can go wherever knowing that the Holy Spirit is in me. You meet a situation, you find somebody who is sick. Do you know that the scripture that talks about those who believe will lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover? It's not talk, only talking about pastors. It's talking about those who believe. So if you believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So Colossians 1.27 in the good news. Ah, you see, some of the people sometimes they get surprised. Pastor, why is it that it looks like your life is just fine and it seems things are well with you and all that. How many of you know that all of us face challenges? It's just that when you have Jesus you know how to put the devil under your feet. Amen. So the secret is, read at the secret. God's plan is to make known his secret to his people. Okay. God's plan is to make known. That word make known is the same word as to reveal. You remember when Jesus says, and I will reveal myself. Okay? So that me and the Father will come and dwell in them. So God's plan is to make known. God's plan is to reveal his secret to his people. It means this secret is hidden to people who are not his people. That's why people who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, they will call most of the things you do foolishness. Because it's not revealed to them. They can't see it. It doesn't make sense to say, you lay hands on the sick, you just put the hand, hand here on my head and I get healed. A natural mind doesn't understand that. But because it's revealed to me, that's easy. That's how God does things. I was actually challenged with one portion of scripture, yeah. It's, I think it's in Second Kings chapter 3. But it was the story about the three kings. The king of it was the king of Israel, the king of Adam, and the king of Judah. The one time they wanted to go to war, and then they wanted to inquire of the Lord. 
The prophet at that time was Elisha. The Bible says we touched on it. Pastor Luke touched the part of the minstrel from that one. But if you read that whole portion, I liked it because uh, Pastor Amanda was preaching about it in the conference where I was invited, where we were there in that conference that I told you I'm going to preach in. So these three, after they, they consulted the man of God, and the man of God said, I'm only doing this because I respect Jehoshaphat among you. The two of you, you, sh- you were supposed to be going to your gods and all that. The word of the Lord was revealed to him and it said, even though there is famine and there is no water, dig trenches, dig holes, dig almost like prepare for dams. And the dams will be filled with water. And the Bible says, there will be no wind and no rain and yet your dams will be full of water. And when they were still surprised, then the next verse says, this is such a simple matter to the Lord. Amen. 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 This is such a simple matter to the Lord. So when you get time, go and read that whole chapter. So when it says this is such a simple matter to the Lord, to me it meant, you see with God, things that we think are impossible and difficult, with God it's such a simple matter. It's such a simple matter. Because sometimes you get, just imagine, to, to get somebody's body healed. Is that not a simple matter? For the one who created it, by the way. It may be difficult for somebody who didn't create it. But for the one who created it, the one who is able to raise Lazarus from the dead when every part of his body was not working. And actually the Bible, the Bible is interesting because it puts things there for you so that if you meditate, then it will make it even more real. It says... He is stinking because this is the third day already that he's in there. He's already stinking. So it means he was decomposing. You get that? Yeah, you don't stink when you just died and you're still fresh. So it says he is stinking. You remember those words? Yeah, it means he was decomposing now. Imagine God raising that body from the dead and that body, every part of that body start working well. How much just one bit of your body that's not working well? And you compare it with that stinking body. If God could raise that from the dead, he surely can quicken my mortal body. It's such a simple matter to the Lord. You get that? Do you see how simple it is with God? Yeah, it's only difficult in our minds. But it's such a simple matter to the Lord. So let's hear the secret. This rich and No, start, start again because the secret, we want to know the secret. God's plan is to make known his secret to his people. Yeah, I want to know the secret. This rich and glorious secret which he has for all peoples. And the secret is that no, first... No, you're supposed to do it like this. I know it's written like that, but I want you to do... When people want to reveal a secret, it's like when they want to reveal a winner. You know what they say? They will say, the winner is... And then you are all... Maybe it's me. Maybe it's that. And then they even repeat, the winner is... And, 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 and you... And then they reveal... So, because we were looking forward to hearing the secret, you don't reveal the secret to us and just say, the secret is. 
and tell us the secret. You need to say, the secret is, and those who don't have the Bible will be saying, what is the secret? <laughs> and the ones with the Bibles will say, but we already know the secret. And they will already be jumping in their spirits. Amen. Okay, let's hear. And the secret is, drum rolls, guys. And the Amen. secret is, Christ in you, which hey. means God will share the glory of God. And that is the secret. That is what is making me live on earth as if I'm in heaven. That is the secret. Christ in me, the hope of glory. That is the secret. It's not anything that makes you different from anybody else but the secret. When people ask you next time, what's your secret? Tell them. The secret is Christ in me. That is the secret. That is my secret. That is what's making me bold. That is what, what's making me not suffer depression. You may be exposed to the same work conditions with your friends or the same family situation or any situation, but now they get surprised. Why is it that for you, you always keep a smiley face? You can say to them, the secret is Christ in me, the hope of glory. That is the secret. That is the secret. It also means when people see that I don't just talk idle words, when people see that I don't swear, when people see that I don't grumble, when people see that I don't complain, when people see that I don't worry, it still means the secret is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen? Amen. That is the secret. It is still the same secret when when people are afraid and, and, and some people, by the way, the more you see car accidents and people are like destroyed to pieces, sometimes you get scared to drive. But if you know the secret and Christ is in you, the hope of glory, then you know that a thousand may fall on my side. Ten thousand on my other side. But it will not come nigh me. For he has given his angels charge over me. To protect me in all my ways. You say, oh, but pastor. You want, to, you want to rub that scripture? Because it's scriptural. He said he will give his angels charge over me. Amen. So when the enemy, it says, he delivers me from the snare of the fowler. So the enemy is planning snares. He's, he's making snares. He wants to trap you. He wants to destroy you. But the Lord is my deliverer. Amen. The Lord wants to defend me. The Lord, his other name, he is called Jehovah Nisi. The Lord, usually if you just call it the Lord my banner, you won't understand it. So it's like when people used to go to war, when you have conquered, you will raise your flag or your emblem to say, we are the ones who are ruling here. So I want to say he is Jehovah my defense. Amen. That's why no weapon that is fashioned against me shall prosper. 
So it can't just be a recitation. You know, when we were small children, we used to do religious education. There was a time to just do like recitation. Mm -mm. I want to take this and make this real in my life. If he says no weapon that is fashioned against me shall prosper. Any tongue that raises up against me in judgment, I will condemn it. And he says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Their righteousness is of me. I want to enjoy my inheritance, people. Tell your neighbor, I want to enjoy my inheritance. So you will not convince me to take the inheritance of what's happening in the world. Because it has been revealed to me. The f- Jesus says, I want to reveal myself to them. I want to make myself more real to them. So that they can understand what is in them. Which is Christ in me, the hope of glory. And when I'm living, sometimes you think it's me living, but it is Christ living in me. Go to Galatians 2.20. Then you will see why. Galatians 2.20. You can do it in King James. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Who is living in me? Who is living in me? Amen. Christ continue to live in me. Jesus continue to have dominion in my life. Continue to live through me. Continue to touch lives of people through me. Amen. So if Christ lives in me, I will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. That's why the Bible says, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Those are your inheritance. The problem with most children of God is that we spend more time listening to other things than the word of God. And you are even beaten by simple politicians. You know that politicians know about the constitution. And they will talk about our rights. You only know your rights when you've read them. And they will insist on saying, you cannot violate my rights. These are my rights, my rights that are enshrined in the constitution. So I want you to say next time, when the devil wants to put sickness on you, or when the devil threatens you with a car accident that he wants to kill you, you need to say to him, I've got my rights that are enshrined in the word. Amen. Amen. This is my rights that are enshrined in the word. Mm, it's my rights. And the good thing with my rights is, you know with people, if you're talking about the constitution and he says my right and the thing is taken to court and the judge and this and the, the attorneys and sometimes the other side may still win even if you think you've got your rights. But can I tell you with my rights, guess who is the judge in my case? Guess who is the judge in my case? 
if Jesus and the Holy Spirit is my advocate, speaking for me on my behalf, the judge is my father God. Do you think I can win, lose the case? Because the judge is my father. My advocate, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, that word when it says, I'll send you another comfort, another, the other version says, the advocate, the counselor, my defense. Amen. Amen. And the judge is my father. I always think about a boxing match sometimes. I used to, in the days when I was still at medical school, and that I used to like boxing. Okay? Then we would watch boxing. By the way, in boxing, the other thing I like with boxing is that even if they knock you down, as long as it's not a knockout, you can still stand and win. And then it says to me, why can't Christians know that? Why, why can't you realize that if you are trapped and you fall, that's not the end. You can stand and still win. And by the way, when they used to win in those days, they would never say, when they, judge, when they were coming to the final thing, they wouldn't say, and the winner, by unanimous point decision, but he fell on round one and round two. No. They don't say that. They don't talk about where you fell. They're just the winner. And still the heavyweight champion of the world. And you say, but he fell in round one. That's immaterial. I'm still the champion. Amen. So that's who we are. Now, I was talking about that's one part of boxing. The other part of boxing is this. When the other person is hit and is on the floor, the judge has to count up to the count of ten. Okay? Now, imagine it's God counting and I'm on the floor. I just want you to imagine God counting and I'm on the floor. One! A two! He will not reach 10 unless I stand up. Because he's my father. It's not over until I win. Amen. 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 And he is my God. You see, the devil's joy is short-lived. When the devil thinks he's tormenting you and he thinks you are in trouble, he's the one who is in trouble because not so long you will be standing up again. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. What do you think was happening with, G with, with, with the devil? Let's take what people say, that Jesus was crucified on a Friday. Okay? Good Friday. What do you think happened that night in the devil's camp? Hmm? I think they probably threw the biggest party that, that the devil ever made. He probably went into overdraft if he used some money <laughs> to make the biggest party since the world began. Because now we've got this. He's dead. He's dead. And everything is finished. Hey, but it's difficult to be the devil, man. Because actually that was the plan of salvation. When the devil thinks that he is winning, he's actually just giving you a stepping stone to go to your other greater heights. Amen. Amen. Instead of you seeing that stumbling block as if it's the end of the road, you need to be saying thank you. Now I can step higher. Amen. Amen. 
That's why, probably day two, Saturday, sometimes try to think. I'm not sure if the devil, if the devil sleeps, I don't know if he does. But let's take it, he sleeps. I think on Saturday he woke up very early. I think he was worried. He, he knew that even if I'm thinking I'm winning, but I'm not sure. Woke up. Maybe sent the most trusted demons. Go and check. If he's still alive. If, if he's, we heard that, you see, they try to claim that he will rise again. But I don't think he will. He's dead and real dead. Probably they went, checked, came back, says, don't worry, devil. It's all under control. He's dead, as dead as dead can be. Okay? Maybe the devil even asked, hasn't he started stinking? Is he not decomposing? But guess what? Do you know there was still another day that was still coming? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. So as long as it's not morning yet, it's not over. And you know what happened on the third day? The stone was rolled away and Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, where it connects with you, it says, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. The spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies. So it means that very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, gave him the new life, pulled, rolled away the stone, that power is in you. That's the dynamite. Dunamis. So he says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but it is Christ living in me. That's why I pray. That's why I love people. Because I'm doing what Jesus wants to do in me, isn't it? Hmm. Jesus wouldn't be gossiping, so I can't gossip. It's Jesus living in me. Okay? Jesus wouldn't be afraid of the enemy. Jesus would never think that he would be killed in a car accident or with a gun. So that's why I don't think like that. Because it's Jesus in me. The hope of glory. And let the life of Jesus be manifested in all of us. It is our inheritance. It is our portion. It says the life that we now live, we live by the faith of. That's why I like it in the King James. You want to repeat that part? The life that I now live in the flesh. Galatians 2.20. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son okay. of God. I want you to listen at that word. By the faith of. The King James says, by the faith of, not the faith in. Okay? Faith in the Son of God means you live by believing in the Son of God. Faith of means you are using somebody's faith. So the life that I now live, I live by the faith of Jesus. Amen. You get that? Amen. I live by the faith of the Son of God. 
That's why I'm very confident. It's because I'm living by the faith of. And did you know, even the weapons of our warfare, did you know that they are not ours? They are mighty through God and says, put on the whole armor of God. So even the armor that I use is the armor of God. That's why I, I enjoy this life in the spirit. Amen. Amen. And I want you to be encouraged that Jesus in us is the hope of glory. Can I just take two scriptures and we start winding down? Because I want you to go to Acts 1 verse 8. We can do it in the King James. So that you realize, I quoted this earlier. I want you to understand this so that when I take it with the verse that we'll land with, you will go out with excitement. When Judas, you remember when we read, where we read in John, it says, and Judas, not Iscariot, he said, how is it that you want to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Okay. When I accepted Jesus, he was revealed to me. The Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to me. But Jesus says, I want to keep on revealing myself to them. I want to keep on showing myself fully who I am in them. I want them to walk in the fullness of my glory. I want them even to do greater works than the works that I did when I was in the earth. Amen. 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 So it takes that revelation of knowing who Jesus is in me. Of knowing what is available to me. So Acts 1.8 But he shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And he shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. What do we receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon us? Power. Can you talk like it like it's power? What do we receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon us? Power. power. How about a dynamite? You shall receive dunamis. That's where you, word, you get the word dynamite, you get the word dynamo. We're not talking about simple stuff here, we are talking about the power of God. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And when you have that power, you will go out and minister. Amen? You remember the other time we were sharing with you about the Holy Spirit, where Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will be in you a well. Remember that. So if he starts in me as a well, when I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I've got that well in me. But here he is talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Holy Spirit come where? Upon. It doesn't say when the Holy Spirit come in you. Okay? Because the Holy Spirit in me is like a well in me. That is for personal use. Okay? A well is for personal use. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, now it's the scripture where Jesus says, out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living waters. Now, a river is different from a well in that a well is localized and is for personal use. A river 
goes to many places, touching wherever it goes, let there be life. You remember the scripture in Ezekiel? Wherever this river goes, there will be life. So it means, if the Holy Spirit has come upon me, that's why it says, and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, to the uttermost parts of the earth. So it means this river is flowing now and touching everyone, everywhere, touching them. Can Jesus touch people through you? Let the river flow. Let the Spirit of God in you Continue to even touch other people. When you are using the word of God for your own personal use, when you are confessing scriptures for healing for your own self, when you are talking protection scriptures for your own self, that is the well in you. Use it. But beyond that, you also need this, the Holy Spirit upon you. When you are baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And then now you have to be starting to be ready for ministry. Going out and touching lives. Touching lives. I'm reminded of Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Who went about. You see the river. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. God wants to use you to touch the dying world. But let it start with you as a well. Where you understand Jesus and the Holy Spirit personally. And have that personal fellowship and personal relationship. So that when it's time for the well, or for the river, now you will touch lives having been touched first. Do you know that there are some people who they will want to prophesy to you when they can't prophesy to themselves? You never get a word for yourself, but you want to get a word for me. No. The Lord must first minister to you, and you understand God. Then you can say, this is the word of the Lord for you. But there should have been a word of the Lord for you yourself who is speaking first. That's a well. You can't have a river if you never had a well. Amen. So, you need to first have that. The problem with some people is that we are always asking for other people to have a word for us. Man of God, don't you have a word for me? At least, if you still have a word, use the word, if the Holy Spirit is in you. When the man of God gives you a word, let that word be confirming what is in the well. Then you won't get lost. Okay? But if you, you are always waiting for things, you are always searching for things, you will be misled. So let the Holy Spirit in you continue to reveal. So that even when I say, thus saith the Lord to you, your spirit can catch it. Did you know that your whole, your, the Holy Spirit in you, when you are getting the real word, when you are receiving the real word, your spirit jumps in. Like the time, you remember when uh, uh, El, uh, Elizabeth went to meet Mary? The Bible says, just at the sound of the voice, the baby within her started jumping. So I want the baby in you to jump as it connects with the word that you are hearing. It says this is the same kind of thing. This is the same thing. Amen. That's why you will never deceive your spirit. If, 
If your spirit is not feeding, you can give it all the theology you want. Your spirit will tell you, I'm hungry. Your spirit wants to feed on the word. So let's land with John 14. 10 to 12 in the Amplified. With that understanding now, understanding what God does for each of us, when Jesus is in me, when Jesus is revealing himself in me, firstly, it's for my own personal use, for my own personal relationship with the Lord. But he also does that so that the Holy Spirit will be in me flowing out, becoming like rivers and starting to touch other people's lives. Okay? May it be so with your lives. So listen to this. John 14, 10 to 12, Amplified. Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father and that the Father is in me? You see that, that thing I told you earlier, when you say something is in the other one and the other one is in the other one, it confuses a bit, isn't it? We are only used to one way of when something can only be in the other thing. Not this one also being in the other one, in the same one. It's, your mind spins when, when, you, when you come to that. You see, it just shows that as human beings, we don't fully understand Okay? That's why Jesus says, I want to keep on revealing myself to them. I want to keep on making myself more real to them. Amen. Where you don't have to depend on your common sense. There are a lot of things of faith that makes no sense to the natural mind. Amen. But because it is revealed, I walk in the revelation of that word. Continue. What I am telling you, I do not say on my own authority and of my own accord. But the Father who lives continually in me does there or his works, his own miracles, deeds of power. Okay. I want you to listen to this. If we say Jesus lives in me, can we learn from Jesus how when God was living in him, how Jesus behaved? Okay. I'm saying, if I say Jesus lives in me, or if I say God lives in me, Jesus already said that God lives in him. But he showed us how when God is living in him, how should Jesus live? So repeat that, that part. But the Father who lives in me. But the Father who lives continually in me, mm-hmm. does there or his works, his own miracles, deeds of power. So he says, I'm not doing things on my own. It is the Father who lives in me who is doing his works. It's the same with Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but it is Christ living in me. You get that? So he says, it is the Father in me who is doing his works or his deeds of power or his miracle. So if that same Father is in you, don't you think he still wants to do his works? Amen. Huh? Don't you think he still wants to continue doing his works? Through you this time. Okay? He still wants to do his miracles through you this time. He still wants to set people free this time through you. Because it is him doing his works in us. The other part I like by it being Christ in me doing things. Even as the pastor, I don't struggle. I don't take the Lord's work to be my work. Let the Father do his work in me. Yeah. I just obey him, let him do his works. 
Amen. Let him heal his people. Let him set his people free. Let him continue to bring peace among us. The father in me is doing his own works. Mm -hmm. Believe me that I'm in the father and the father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. If you cannot trust me, at least let these works that I do in my father's name convince you. I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me... Okay, what is the meaning of anyone? Anyone. Anyone means anyone. Does anyone include you? Mm. Are you also anyone? Mm. Ask your neighbor, are you also anyone? Now listen to what is available to anyone. Tell your neighbor, he's about to read what is available to anyone. Who believes? Who believes? Okay. He will himself. No, no, repeat about if anyone who believes in me. If anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. You get that? So he is saying, it is the Father in me who is doing his works. When I'm still on the earth. But when I go to the father. The father is not going to stop working. Amen. The father wants to also continue to do his works through you. That's why if you believe in the Lord Jesus. Jesus says the works that I do you will do. Even greater works. Because the father wants to keep on doing things. You know the song. He keeps on doing great things. Hallelujah. He keeps on doing great things. Do you know that he wants to do those great things through you? Most of these songs are good when you are just talking about them distant. But the moment you start applying them and say, what does this mean? He keeps on doing great things. Am I seeing him in my life? Can I meditate about the good things that he has been doing? I start counting all the blessings and forgetting not all his benefits seeing the good things that he's doing. But can I also try and see if there are some great things that he wants to do through my life? Amen. Do you get this? Christ in me, the hope of glory. And this is the secret. Can we stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard?